are entering the Freedom Hut. Trump pulled Brennan's clearance, and now the media is completely freaked out. This is a tempest in a teapot, but it represents a lot of the Trump derangement syndrome we've seen across the country. We'll talk about that. Plus, the 300 newspapers across the country that are all reminding us that, yes, in fact, the mainstream media is run by libs, and it's all about libs. We'll get into that and so much more coming up on The Buck Sexton Show. This This is The Buck Sexton Show. Where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make Make no mistake. America. You're a great American. Again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Is this an effort to try to cow individuals, uh, both inside and outside of the government, to make sure that they don't say anything either that is critical of Mr. Trump or with which he disagrees. And I've seen this type of behavior and actions on the part of foreign tyrants and despots and autocrats for many, many years during my CIA and national security career. I never, ever thought that I would see it here in the United States. I haven't had any access to classified information since uh, I left the government. The, the larger implication here is the jeopardy to our First, our first Amendment rights, and by extension, others. And by the way, uh, there's a, a, a very chilling message here to, to people in the intelligence community. If you tee up intelligence that the, the president doesn't like, you may risk losing your clearance and, and thereby your job. This had an eerie... Uh, memory of an enemies list. Uh, these people were being singled out um, to have either their clearances revoked or in the process of being revoked. To me, smacks of Nixonian-type practices of trying to silence anyone who's willing to criticize this president. That puts us again in uncharted territory. Oh, my... They are so upset about this. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. Here we are, day two of the of the clearance freakout. And there's so much here that's wrong. I mean, first of all, you you have to understand, as, as I've discussed with you here on the show, that a security clearance is not a right. A security clearance is a privilege that you are given by the government to work for the government in government service. Um, I won't even get into it, but I've had one or two people now, let's just say one person in particular who's saying, you know, well, did you have a clearance when you left the government? Some media person. No, imbecile. I lost my clearance. It went inactive, which means it's no longer up and running and therefore lost my access to classify when I resigned from the CIA, as it should be for everyone. They can always resurrect your clearance. This is not uh, this is not rocket science. If you have to do rocket science and need a clearance, they can bring it back. Right. This is. Uh, this is all just more Trump derangement syndrome getting played out through another prison, this time through through the security clearance process. The next president can restore Brennan's clearance. Right? He, it hasn't been adjudicated that he is unfit for a clearance. They're just pulling his clearance. It does give you a little bit of a window, though, into the mentality of Democrats in general when it comes to government service, which is one, this notion of, you know, what can they can you not be fired? I would want to ask Democrats this. What about somebody who works for the CIA now? Can they do TV interviews and talk about how, well, you know, I'm at the CIA and I'm seeing everything every day and this president's a traitor. 
And do you get to keep your job if you do that? You know, you know no disciplinary action. Do you, do you get to stay in the government and undermine the executive branch from within the executive branch? Is, is that the new standard that we have? The folks who are listening who are military know you don't get to wear your uniform and go on TV and say, yes, I'm, I'm active duty military. But, you know, this general should be called General Bozo because he's a clown and an idiot. I mean, I've never been in the military, but those of you listening, a lot of you listening, I know who have been or are now in the military would say, uh, yeah, Buck, you you would get in some trouble for that. You would not be. It would be an issue if you went on TV in your military uniform, said your name and rank and then trashed your commanding officer or trashed your division or whatever. You know, so free speech, free speech. These people like Brennan and Clapper work in the government their whole lives. They apparently don't know what the First Amendment means. They have neither read nor understood the First Amendment. No one is silencing them. I mean, this is laughable. Brennan is being silenced. What, as he's on national TV and being turned into some kind of an anti-Trump martyr? He's he's being silenced? Because he hasn't gotten his seven-figure book deal yet? Because he hasn't set up a GoFundMe account to give him hundreds of thousands of dollars of just free cash? Because apparently the hashtag resistance got a lot of money to throw around. This is crazy. And people are saying, fuck, you know, you, you should know better. You worked in the agency. This should be non-political. Oh, 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 hold up, hold up. The people that have made the intelligence community so political that I don't know if it'll ever recover from what has been done to it. I don't know if it will ever regain the sense of political neutrality and objective fact-based information and analysis that was not about partisanship. I don't know if it'll ever regain that, but it was lost not because Trump pulled some some, uh, you know, government stooges clearance, but because a bunch of former government stooges in government used their position to try to throw an election. And then right after they left government service or in some cases continue to stay in government service like Comey, uh, you tried to leverage their previous position to undermine the current commander-in-chief. But this isn't silencing. He's just pulling their clearances. Doesn't think that they should have access to classified information. I would ask you this. You heard Clapper there say, Or I haven't accessed classified since I came out. Okay. So what's the big deal? It would be very very, uh, unethical and, in fact, illegal, depending on what happened, to access classified and then use that for political attacks on TV, that would be reckless, right? So and no one, people have, gosh, I've had so many idiot trolls. Go, well, you used to have a clearance. You used to be in the CIA. Yeah, years and years and years ago. And I've never said, oh, I because of what I know in the CIA, the current commander-in-chief is a traitor. And oh, by the way, I want to keep my security clearance because I say so. This this notion that that he's being silenced, how is he being silenced? Because he doesn't have a clearance? He doesn't need a clearance. And he shouldn't have it anyway. So the president has taken this action. You know, if nothing else, it's a reminder to Brennan that, yeah, he is, in fact, the commander chief. He is the president of the United States. Trump is the guy. And just because Brennan doesn't like him, he likes to go on TV and say, this, this president's a traitor. He's traitorous to the American people. Uh doesn't mean that it changes what's really going on. It doesn't change the reality of who's running the show. 
Um, you know, this is just nonsense. You know, Jim Jordan, I got to say, I, I like Jim Jordan on this on, on a whole bunch of things lately. Oh, how many how many newspapers and how many news outlets did you see that uh, that that ran that there was a retraction? One of those players who said that remember Jim Jordan was never accused of wrongdoing himself, but that he didn't take action for wrongdoing. That there was a retraction. How many did you, Mike? Did you see that that there were some uh, one one of the one of the people or there was some kind of walk back of the story with Jim Jordan that he actually didn't you know that it wasn't he didn't know or it wasn't clear, did not get covered. Uh, Unless I'm unless I have my facts wrong, if I do, I'll correct it. But I'm pretty sure that's what happened. But Jim Jordan's been very good lately, and and on Brennan, I think he sees this pretty clearly. Play clip nine. John Brennan leaked information to Harry Reid, uh, lost his clearance. James Clapper lied under oath in the Intel Committee in the Senate. James Comey has been fired for leaking information and all kinds of other things. Andy McCabe lied three times under oath, has been fired. Sally Yates fired. Peter Strzok demoted, then fired. Lisa Page demoted, then left the FBI. Jim Baker, chief counsel at the FBI, demoted and then left. I think all those people, frankly, should lose their clearance, particularly when you have that kind of that kind of history where you've been fired, demoted, leaking information. Why should you have a clearance? So I, I agree with the president and what he did. I think there's a lot more people who, frankly, deserve the same treatment. Not what the uh, overwhelming media consensus is, of course. They they are just in a frenzy over this thing. Oh my gosh, the silencing, the silencing. The same people that all back Brennan and the other intel people that have been named as possibly losing their clearances from Trump, those same people are the ones who are are also claiming that the First Amendment is under great assault on the same day that you've got, and we'll get to this, 300 newspapers all reading from the uh, same sheet of music. Yeah. But they're being silenced. They're a political monoculture dedicated to destroying this presidency and opposing everything he does. But but sure, they're they're in danger of silencing. I, I don't know how they can take themselves seriously when they say such, such uh, stupid things, but but they do somehow. They do seem to be of the belief that, uh, you know. They should be treated with the utmost respect when they expand upon these preposterous ideas that they have. They're being silenced. Um, you know, they don't know what it is to be silenced. You know, you know what silences people when there's a concerted effort to inflate the perception of, or to, to, to make it seem like there's an inflated number of uh, those who want to boycott a product or a service or a person or a company for political reasons and bring these concerted digital pressure campaigns to pull all sponsors from somebody at once and to deplatform them and get them kicked off of platforms. That's silencing. Pulling somebody's security clearance in no reasonable perspective could be considered a silencing, right? But this is this is what they're saying. This is the storyline, and I think that Trump realizes that this is a this is a very it's a good thing to have this former CIA chief be a spokesperson for the anti-Trump resistance because he's a loon and he's a hack, and he has been for a very long time. This was Obama's counterterrorism advisor. This was the guy that Obama trusted the most on counterterrorism in the White House. Not who I'd want to be in charge. Not who I'd want running the show. By the way, also, when he was CIA director, Syria was a debacle. An absolute debacle. But, you know, no, no one ever gets, no one ever holds him to account on it for that or anything. Uh, this, this is, uh, 
another another time when the outrage meter, you'd think maybe they'd run out of of juice for the outrage meter, right? They'd run out of of of, of stuff to put in it. And nope. Nope, there's always more. They've always got another level. They can always take the dial to 11 on the outrage, and this time it's with Trump's clearances. They're like, oh, there might be more. More people might lose their clearances. And then he wrote this piece, which I want to talk to you about in a moment, that, you know, the same guy who's complaining about his clearance and being silenced is getting a featured editorial in the New York Times the same day. Oh, wow, look at that. He's being silenced, though. He's in the biggest newspaper in the country. He's on TV every five minutes, practically, right now. But he's being silenced. Oh, no. His editorial, though, is a, uh, is a big, uh, steamy pile of garbage. It is a dumpster fire of innuendo and crap-lousy analysis. And uh, we will pour some gasoline on this dumpster fire and make it burn even hotter, I guess, because I'm going to tear this apart in a moment. And the, the, the Brennan editorial in the New York Times, very, very poor. Um, 844-900-2825. 844-900-BUCK if you want to chat. Please do give me a ring. And uh, also, folks, if you're on Twitter, I talk about Twitter sometimes here, you can always tweet at me, at Buck Sexton. Just be like, hey, I listen to your show and I'm on Twitter. That's fun. Or you can say something uh, pithy or witty or, you know, Tell me to get a haircut, whatever you want. We'll be right back. Something that I think you should all remember, or I should tell you if you didn't know this before, is, uh, and this is courtesy of Steve Hayes over at the Weekly Standard, that when Brennan was CIA director, his agency presented unnecessary non-disclosure agreements to Benghazi survivors, and get this, at the memorial service for their fallen comrades. Yeah. That's how Brennan used to do things. That's the kind of shop Brennan used to run. Now he's Mr. Hero, though. Now he's, oh, because he's saying terrible things about Trump. If you, if you will say horrible things about Trump, the left will excuse anything about your past and will also promise you great things in your future. That's probably why Brennan has this piece that is a piece of garbage in the New York Times today. The same day he's claiming that he needs to be silenced, or he is being silenced, rather. President Trump's claims of no collusion are hogwash. Hogwash, he says. That's why the president revoked my security clearance to try to silence anyone who would dare challenge him. Um, How would that work exactly? Let's take... Brennan, the the hysterical, pearl-clutching Brennan, at his word here. How exactly would pulling this clearance uh, terrify him? Brennan is going on national TV and calling the President of the United States a traitor. A traitor. And has suffered no consequences of any kind. Now, he has a First Amendment right to say that, but the notion that he is being silenced, I mean, this guy has has completely jumped the shark already many times. He keeps jumping that shark over and over again. And now he the, the, the clearance gets pulled. Now he's going to stop? He's saying that the President of the United States is betraying the country, is a pawn of the Kremlin, but now, now that he's pulled my clearance, I don't think I can say the mean things anymore because I'm scared. That doesn't make very much sense, does it? That doesn't make very much sense at all. Um... 
I think it's uh, uh I think it's important for everybody to understand that Brennan is a, is a hack and is dishonest. And the media is lionizing him right now, and that's troubling enough on its own. His piece, though, where he says that the that Trump's claims of no collusion are hogwash. I go. I went through the whole piece. I read it multiple times. The New York Times, and he, he this will pretty much summarize the whole thing for you. Quote: The only questions that remain are whether the collusion that took place constituted criminally liable conspiracy whether obstruction of justice occurred to cover up any collusion or conspiracy, and how many members of Trump Incorporated attempted to defraud the government by laundering and concealing the movement of money into their pockets. A jury is about to deliberate bank and tax fraud charges against one of those people, Paul Manafort, Mr. Trump's former campaign chairman, and the campaign's former deputy chairman, Rick Gates, has pleaded guilty to financial fraud and lying to investigators. Mr. uh, Mr. Trump's claims of no collusion are, in a word, hogwash. It's like we're dealing with crazy people here, folks. He says, oh, there's definitely collusion. The, the claim there's no collusion is hogwash. And then I sit here and I say, okay, where's the collusion? You know there's collusion. Where is it? You were the CIA director willing to play dirty Washington politics. We all know that. Willing to leak, willing to talk to the press, willing to do whatever he had to do based on whatever code that former commie lover Brennan has. And here is his moment to tell us where is the evidence, where is the smoking gun. If Mueller hasn't found it yet, you must know you were the CIA director. Folks, they were willing to use a FISA against friggin' Carter Page. They've done everything that they can. Where is the collusion? Oh, no, no, I, I can't tell you. I just know it's there. I just, I just know it's there. And anybody who says otherwise is lying. All right, I don't want to be a liar, Brennan. Tell me where the collusion is. Why, why are these questions that remain whether it constituted criminal conspiracy? Because you're saying that you know. You're not saying that there's a question, right? If you're saying that you can't say something is not if you cannot say for certain that it is. And he's saying that uh, there's definitely collusion, but he can't tell us what that collusion is. This is just, these are the rantings of a crazy person. He's holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. Editorials in so many ways are anachronisms anyway. I think very few people read them other than for reinforcement of self, their already known ideas. And it it hurts the media in the bigger picture because it just reinforces that the media is packed journalism and they all think alike and move in the same direction. I I think this is a a, a meaningless exercise by the press. We have freedom of the press. It has not been infringed in the least by Donald Trump. In fact, if the press really wanted to, they should have gone more after Barack Obama for all the use of the Justice Department to investigate the press, way out of proportion to anything Donald Trump has done. It's the group think. It's the liberal think. It's how they all go the same way. And if their editorials mattered that much anyway, Hillary Clinton would have been president. Almost every one of those papers endorsed Hillary Clinton for president. And that's my point about editorials really not being influential or moving readers anymore. What a joke this whole thing is. It's ridiculous, folks. 
You get 300 papers. They're all like, we just want to stand up for the First Amendment together because we're worried in the era of Trump that Trump is being mean to us. Are you kidding me? I I at least have some respect for the papers that are, look, we actually agree with what all these other papers are saying about Trump, but we're not going to join this because this is counterproductive. It's idiotic. It is a slow pitch right down the middle, and Trump has just both hands on a Louisville slugger, and he is about to grip it and rip it, folks. He's about to tear the cover off the ball. 300 newspapers are all, we're scared of Trump and the First Amendment and the First Amendment. you got to be kidding me. What has he done? I mean, you know, Ari made, that was Ari Fleischer before, he was there in the Bush administration. What has Trump done to hurt the First Amendment? Nothing. Nothing. Words you don't like is not the same as silencing liberals. Just because you get owned by this president time and again in the press, it doesn't mean that he is shutting down the press. When the president's so mean and he's so big and scary. Really, the the pearl clutching here is astonishing. And, you know, he alluded, uh, Ari Fleischer alluded to this. I've been saying this for quite some time. uh, That... Yes, the, the press would write editorials, and we're concerned. We're concerned about what Obama's been doing when it comes to press freedom. This administration has not been good on press freedom. We have some, we have some problems. They weren't writing 300, 300 paper editorials, though, all joining together in collusion, you could say, against the Obama administration. Obama was seizing the phone records of journalists to get their sources multiple times. Obama was doing all kinds of surveillance on journalists. Some of it is known about, and I can tell you some of it is not. Based on what journos here in D.C. that I know have told me from their personal experience. So Obama was willing to, to just do whatever it took to get whoever, whoever he wanted to get. And perhaps most chilling of all, the, the Department of Justice under Eric Holder, Obama's attorney general, included James Rosen... A Fox News reporter included his name as an unindicted co-conspirator in an Espionage Act prosecution. Now, not only is that way beyond what anybody else has has done in recent memory when it comes to First Amendment, because that really is chilling, right? When your name's appearing in a federal espionage indictment as a reporter, eh, it probably worries you a little bit. You start to think, am I next? Also, it was Fox News. And I, I couldn't help. I read today because, you know, you'll, you'll get these these blowhards from CNN and other places. Oh, we didn't, we didn't like when Obama did that. Yeah, you didn't like it. You didn't act like it was the, you know, the bombing of Pearl Harbor, which we get every day now with Trump. Everything Trump does is Pearl Harbor. He took, he took Brennan's, Brennan's clearance. He said something mean about Omarosa. He, he did, you know, just go down the list. Stormy Daniels. Oh, I mean. Everything Trump does is the worst thing any human being has ever done. I don't know how these people can sleep at night. They must have so much anxiety. They, they, they must have real issues. Because they seem to think that Trump is basically destroying the country in new ways every day. I mean, it's almost amazing how creative Trump is in destroying the country. When you take a look at all the things that they're saying. But this, you know, Boston Globe calling for 300 papers to all stand in support of the First Amendment. The First Amendment's not under assault. The fable, the falsehood, the lie of a neutral press corps, 
that is under assault, and it should be because it's a lie. These people who write for the editorial page of the Boston Globe and the, I can't even think of, you know, the New York Times and all the different ones that were in this, there was something like, you know, the Cape Cod Register, I think, was in there. It's like, ooh, the Cape, the Cape Cod Register getting it on the action. It's like, oh, honey, did we see the editorial today? I'm going to the beach, going to drink at Southside. Uh, you know, the Cape Cod paper got in that action. I, I, I remembered a few of the names that I saw. There's a lot of little papers. You're like, what? They still have a paper there? So they're all saying that they stand together in solidarity in the First Amendment, and I just say that the First Amendment is not under assault. In fact, what they seem to have a problem with is the usage of the First Amendment that they don't like. The great irony here is that they are hoping to silence and deplatform people that they disagree with. That's what the left is doing now, right? The left is the left is where you get all the kick them off Twitter, kick them off Facebook. So they're simultaneously assaulting free speech and claiming free speech is under assault for people that, that they don't like. Again, they have no principles. They just have a blind and ferocious uh, pursuit of power. That's it. That's what they want. And they understand the media is a very important tool in that. And... You know, there are other areas of life where we understand that the dominant and this is where you get people go, oh, not everybody. What about Fox News? I mean, that's like that is an intelligence test. When somebody says the media is not liberal, what about Fox News? Like, can we? OK, 90 percent, 95 percent of the media is liberal. That's still a very big problem. OK, no one's actually saying that every part of the media. I'm technically in the media, too. Oh, you're in the media, Buck. Yeah, I know. You'll notice that my my liberal counterpart here on the show does not come across sounding very intelligent. But there are parts of of American society we understand that it's overrun with liberals. Faculty lounges in colleges and universities, overrun with liberals. Um, Unions, generally speaking, especially public sector unions, overrun with liberals. Hollywood, overrun with liberals. You know, you go down this list and you can think of all these, you know, community organizers overrun with liberals, environmental activists overrun with liberals, all overrun with liberals. And, and I don't think any serious person argues that. Right. You know, when, when I look at my own college, for example, and there are more self-described, self-avowed Marxists than Republicans on the college faculty, that seems to be indicative of something. But we're, we're oh, the federal bureaucracy, liberal. 90% plus donations went to Hillary Clinton, folks. 90% plus. Yeah. But with journalism, they think that either that's not, they, they either reject that factual statement, which is just they're in denial. Right? Journal, journalists aren't liberal. No, they are. And anyone who says otherwise really needs to either pay closer attention or start reading. Or they say, well, okay, just because 90% of journalists are liberals, just because 300 newspapers would all come together to say the same thing, to agree on the same thing on the same day, it doesn't mean that that affects the, the way they tell their stories, their editorial lines, the, uh, what they think is news and what they think is not news, the language they use in the coverage of their stories. None of that is affected. It's just a lie. It's a lie. But you see, there are a lot of liberals, including liberal readers, and, and you know, the liberal audience gets very enraged by this, too. This is, this is why when people, at, you know, when some of the anchors at CNN, for example, get challenged now by those of us who understand this media game and know what's really going on, 
you know, their audience will get very nasty. No, you're just not the right one. Blah, blah, blah. It's because they have been fooled, you see. And people don't like being fooled. But the CNN audience, the, you know, ABC and This Week and NBC and all these different shows, they've been fooled into thinking that what they are getting is objective, fact-based reality. When what they're really getting is a biased view of events that reinforces their preconceived notions, which they like, makes them feel safe and warm and smart. And that's the whole game. That is what the mainstream media offers its liberal audience. Not that they're getting a Democrat or liberal interpretation or spin on events, but that they are getting the factual, straight-down-the-middle, reality-based interpretation of events. And then they'll go use words like undocumented immigrant, but they'll still say this. Oh, no, we're just the factual, down the center, you know, balanced, neutral, they will say. This is, this is a great fraud, and the audiences of that fraud don't want to hear it, you see. That's one, of the, that's one of the reasons they hate Trump so much. Trump isn't just calling out fake news. He's also, by doing so, forcing the audiences who buy into the fake news to have to confront the reality of what it is that they've been watching or reading all these years and come to, and they have to come to understand that, wow, you mean that when I watch Wolf Blitzer, I'm not just getting an objective news source that has no agenda whatsoever? People don't want to hear that. They want to think they were one of the smart people watching Wolf, great journalist, you know, watching Brian Williams, the, the, the $10 million a year man to read off a prompter has no background in journalism beyond just looking like a guy in journalism who can go on TV and sound like a guy that knows what he's talking about. They put him on TV, paid him millions and millions of dollars. What, what was his great gift? What did he bring to the table? He's an actor, folks. A lot of them are actors. And now we're starting to see what the, who the wizard is behind the curtain with the whole mainstream media, and they don't like it. And that's what's really spurring on the 300 different newspapers coming together. Oh, my gosh. Trump, Trump is actually speaking the truth about this. It's catching on. People see us for what we are. Our editorial pages are all liberal. By the way, they all, they've already all come out. Every single newspaper that was a part of this today, I'd be willing to bet you, on their unsigned editorials, you know, had already officially endorsed Hillary. If they endorse candidates, which some of them don't, I know, but I, I'm telling you, they all endorse Hillary. I, the only newspaper that I can think of that endorsed Trump during the election was uh, Las Vegas, the Las Vegas something or other. I know, producer Mike. I pull out the, I pull out the trivia like that off the top of my head. Buck, you know, Mike, you're a smart guy. There we go. Thank you. Even, uh, even the even the the team the uh, the Freedom Hunt squad sometimes gets a little impressed by that one. I, I think I'm right on that though. That was the that was the only one. Uh, other than the Wall Street Journal, but I don't know if the Wall Street Journal endorsed a candidate. I don't. I don't think. I don't think that they do. Uh, so this is a waste of everybody's time. This whole three hundred newspapers coming together, except it reinforces everything that Trump says about the media. So that's what I meant. He's not. He's going to knock the cover off this ball. I cannot wait. I cannot wait for some Trump tweets tomorrow. I think they're going to be. They're going to be fantastic on this one. And you know, just make sure that you push back when people say Trump is endangering the First Amendment. Say how. And don't say, oh, but his rhetoric and his, you know, he says the mean things about that. No, no, no. How? What action has he taken as commander in chief? Pulling Brennan's clearance? That's laughable. 
That's that's idiotic. It's not endangering anyone's First Amendment. You don't have a right to a clearance. You certainly don't have a right to a clearance if you're going to use it to undermine the existing executive branch. That's a big problem. But ask them, where do you get this idea that the First Amendment's being undermined because of the fake news? Journalists created the term fake news, folks. It was all fun and games to them. They were saying that fake news was what was being spread on Facebook and the Internet by Russian trolls and others, and Trump's oh-so-dumb voters, this is what the elite media thinks, were falling for the fake news. And Trump turned that around on them and smacked them with their own weaponized term, and they don't like it. That's why it stings so much. That's why they hate it. Fake news was supposed to be the elite's way of sneering and condescending at you. And Trump said, oh, no, you don't. You want to talk about fake news? Let's talk about fake news. You are the fake news. He switched the whole thing around. I mean, it was Trump jujitsu on this one. And it was incredible. Or maybe even Trump Aikido. Although I have to say, of all the fighting styles, I feel like that one is not particularly effective. Because you need to be able to grab somebody's sleeve. What if they're wearing a T-shirt? I'm going to get somebody who's in the audience who's like a ninth degree in Aikido is going to yell at me for this one. That's what always happens. I talk a little smack about Taekwondo, and now everybody with a, with a red belt in Taekwondo says they're going to kick my butt. All right, we're going to be back in just a moment. All right, Team Rackham and Stackham, we got calls coming in from across the country. Nathan in Dallas. Hello, sir. Hey, Shields High, Buck. Shields High. Okay, I'm not going to repeat too much, but if Brandon is going on the news insinuating the existence of Trump collusion, a proof of collusion, that is the insinuation of a secret. How close to divulging a secret do you have to be before you get your clearance pull? Well, exactly. You're you're completely correct, and that's and this is this is what's so egregious. He, you know, you don't just have free reign to run around and 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 say whatever you want, especially if you've been the CIA director, and to be undermining the commander-in-chief through the suggestion that your secret knowledge that nobody else can have is why you know what you know is a huge problem. And if he, by the way, you know, if, if he really believes Trump is a traitor and he has classified information to prove it, he should just, he should throw himself on the mercy of his fellow citizens uh, and, and a jury and release that information yeah. and just tell everybody. You know, if he's a real patriot, that's what he would do. But no, he's playing that. I could tell you, but I can't because I'm. I have a clear and blah blah. It's just all garbage. He's a liar. A conservative enough judge could put him in jail for divulging a secret. He just didn't go into too much detail about the secret. Nah, I mean, I, I don't know if I don't. I wouldn't go that far. But I. Yeah, I but what he is doing is that's a it, it, it is a stretch. But it's on. It is unethical. He's getting uh, Nathan lipped, and he should have his clearance pulled. Yep, I agree with that. Nathan, thank you for calling in. Jeffy in Mississippi, we got to, or Jeff in Mississippi. Pardon me. We've got about a minute. Yes, sir. Well, uh, thank you for taking my call, Buck. Uh, thank you. I wanted to say, I was active duty in the military for uh, four years. I had top secret clearance. When I got out of the military, I lost my type, uh, top secret clearance. I don't know what all the hubbub's about, about losing top secret clearance. And it's, it, it's a privilege. And I had to go back to work at uh, Stennis, and I got my top secret clearance back. Yeah, they reinstate it. That's what they do. It goes inactive, so you don't have it. You can't see secret stuff. But then if they need to bring you back into government service, you can reactivate it. This is very, you know, it's really not that complicated. I know you know this. Exactly. And I mean, when you're stationed at places like Bethesda, Maryland, you know, it's a need-to-know basis. 
and when you discharge, uh, okay, I don't need a top secret clearance anymore, but if I need it again, I can get it again. So yeah. No, I know, Jeff. Jeff, it's uh, you know, you you got it, man. You're right. Uh, and thank you for your service, sir. Thank you very much for your call. Big hour two coming up. A, a refugee who infiltrated this country and is part of ISIS. We'll talk about it. Buck Sexton. Permission decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake. America. Ready. Great. You're a great American again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Could you say something that despite the horrible immigration laws that we have to live with, uh, with catch and release and all of the the horror show, it's a horror show, it's a disgrace, frankly, we'll get it changed. But uh, having a lot of problem with the other party, because they don't want to change for, I guess, political reasons, it can't be common sense. Uh, could you say uh, how we're doing in terms of we're breaking records uh, at the border? law enforcement records could you maybe just give a little update on that despite the horrible laws we're doing very well please trump understands the immigration issue because he refuses to get boxed in by other people to use the language they want him to use to speak about this the way that they want him to speak about it and and he just approaches this with common sense the problem with our immigration policy and the conversation around it for a long time has been that there is no common sense applied to it and there's also no consistency that's a very important point you know we say that we're a nation of immigrants but we should be law-abiding and then we say that illegal immigration is fine well there's a lack of consistency there isn't it this is a problem uh but trump has shocked and horrified the establishment because of what he says in immigration although, although we did have remember this remember chuck schumer on illegal just to remind you play uh, play clip one When we use phrases like undocumented workers, we convey a message to the American people that their government is not serious about combating illegal immigration, which the American people overwhelmingly oppose. If you don't think it's illegal, you're not going to say it. I think it is illegal and wrong, and we have to change it. Above all else, the American people want their government to be serious about protecting the public enforcing the rule of law, and creating a rational system of legal immigration that will proactively fit our needs rather than reactively responding to future waves of illegal immigration. People who enter the United States without our permission are illegal aliens, and illegal aliens should not be treated the same as people who entered the U.S. legally. What happened to that Chuck Schumer? That Chuck Schumer was making sense. Oh, I guess that Chuck Schumer's a racist now. Is that right? I, I just somebody that folks that that's the the Democrat minority leader, Chuck Schumer. Is there am I? Why is he? Why is he not a racist? Somebody tell me this. Why? You know, Trump and his policies. Oh, it's so racist. Why isn't Chuck Schumer a racist? I don't get it. I need somebody to explain this one to me and to do it in a way where they actually use words that make sense. Buck, you're a smart guy. Well, thank you. It's the only explanation that's needed. By the way, Mike, do we have my montage? I, I'm gonna we're gonna code red producer Mike right now. Do we have a montage of people saying that refugees are all fine and good and everything else? 
Yeah, that's right. You forgot. Yeah, you forgot that. It's all right, everybody. I'm calling Mike out on live radio because producer Mike is, is squared away 99% of the time, but the 1% when he misses something, I like to mess with him a little bit. And I wanted a very cool, because his, his audio and, and video skills are phenomenal. I wanted a cool montage today. We don't have it. But it was going to be basically all those mainstream bozos who were like, oh my gosh, like refugees? There's no, there's no threat from refugees. Like refugees just come to this country because they love it so much and then they're perfect and they're amazing and they're better than Americans. And they wonder why, what, you're giving me this, yeah, that's, it's all right. You missed, you, it's all right, buddy. Yeah, I, I, we, I don't, you nailed it. I, I don't, you don't need a clip. They, oh, there we you go. You nailed it. Okay. <laughs> I knew he, you he could knows, do it. He knows, yeah, Mike knows how to keep the quote talent happy. That's all you need to say. Yeah, you nailed it, buddy. It's like my agent. You're doing great. Keep it up. You're doing great. Just be patient. You're doing great. I'm like, wow, this is, you could just record this. This is what my agent could just put this uh, on a little tape player for me. And whenever I'm like, hey, uh, did that deal come through? You're doing great. Just keep it up. You're doing great. Um, but I digress. So uh, so you, you, you heard a lot of stuff, though, about how refugees are, you know, they're like the best people on the planet always. And look, I know there are some, there's amazing refugees. There's amazing people from all over the place, folks. Amazing people in every country, of every background and color and ethnicity. And I, the world is six, or closer to seven, I think now, seven billion people in the world, right? How many, I don't even think they can really count that number. I'll be honest with you. I don't think they really know. They're guessing. So we'll call it seven billion. Seven billion people in the world. And there's a lot of great people all over the place. That all said, refugee populations from war-torn, high-terrorism countries, you would think, remember, this remember our whole premise here, folks, Trump approaches these things with common sense. Trump says, oh, what would a normal person think of this issue when it's explained to them? The media and the Democrats are like, well, what's the thing that makes us all like feel the best about ourselves and like feel like we're just doing the most to like make the world more amazing? Um, so with a common sense approach, you would probably say, hold on. I think that if you were to take in large numbers of military aged males, an acronym they used to use out in the military and in the intel community, right? Military aged male. Uh, from countries that have a lot of jihadism, a lot of radicalization, and it's difficult to process them because what papers do they have? And, you know, they're coming from a war-torn country. And there also are active efforts to get through the screening processes we have. You would think that maybe there would be some risk. We were told, folks, and this goes into the Muslim ban and all that stuff, we were told that to have any concerns about refugees from, say, Syria or Iraq or Afghanistan, any concerns was rooted in nothing other than Islamophobia and racism. And there's never been anybody who's been a threat, even though it's not true. There's a guy arrested in Kentucky a while ago who was actually ISIS uh, or uh, tied to al-Qaeda in Iraq. But, you know, they keep saying this. And, and, and then we have this little story that's getting very little play in the media right now uh, about a... A guy named Omar Amin, who, not to be confused with Omar Mateen, another jihadist terrorist, Omar Amin, who was arrested earlier this week in Sacramento, where he had been settled after being granted refugee status. So this guy was granted refugee status, but then, and by the way, was in the process of getting a green card, folks. Oh, but they say that he was wanted in Iraq on a murder charge. So it looks like that's a little bit of a problem to get him a green card and to make him a permanent resident of this country after we made him a refugee or brought him in as a refugee. 
but it gets worse. He wasn't just guilty of a murder, let's say, because of some dispute with his neighbor. The allegation here is that Amin, when the Islamic State rolled into Iraq, Amin went and was part of a torture and execution of an Iraqi police officer. Amin was tied to the Islamic State. He was an Islamic State, according to these court documents, according to the allegations here, he was an Islamic State executioner. So, you know, we we may have more to say here. We have more information uh, going forward about this guy. Um, But what we know so far is that there are eight witnesses that say he was involved with AQI and ISIS and was guilty of a murder and was rolling around with ISIS guys. So that's right, folks. That whole refugee program that there's so many layers, nobody would ever get through it. You're such an idiot for thinking that it's a security threat. You and the Trumpsters are such idiots. Oh, that it hasn't been around that long, has it? The Trump administration, what, we've been here for 18 months? And here we find out that this guy, um, this guy was an ISIS executioner and got through the process, uh, refugee process. So maybe extreme vetting is not such a crazy idea after all. Maybe there are cracks in the system because you basically have a jihadist terrorist living in Sacramento, California, who was already got who had already gotten through one hurdle in the system and was in the process of getting his full on green card. You know, this is where I have to stop and say, do we get to go back to all those people who said that there was it was just a crazy idea that there could be anybody who was coming in the refugee pipeline there's not that many refugees, but it's like 50,000 or something that we've taken in a year. And that, that there might be somebody in, in that football stadium size of individuals who's a problem. Or we, were, we were told that that's nuts and it's mean and Islamophobic and racist to say that. And now we find out, no, there actually was an ISIS terrorist who slipped in. Do we get to talk to the people that said that Trump was crazy, that we were crazy? No, of course not. They'll just move on to the next thing. But here's something we should remember. We were right. I was so happy when Donald Trump declared that he was going to run. You all know him as the president. I know him as a friend. I know his heart. Donald Trump is a trailblazer on women issues. Not only do I support him as a human being who has incredible character and a great vision, but his policies affect my community where I live in Los Angeles, and that's really why I stand by him. And I believe that you will see that this president is going to be incredible for this country, and I am excited about what's happening with this administration. I'm very honored to be a part of it. He was the right choice for America. When I say Trump train, I want you to say choo-choo. Y'all ready? Trump train! Choo choo! Trump train! Choo choo! Trump train! Choo choo! That was Omarosa then, everybody. That was Omarosa. Omar- See, I keep going back. Omarosa, Omarosa. <sighs> Things have changed a little bit. Now she's making all these allegations about Trump. I, I think this is our last Omarosa update for the for, certainly for the week and hopefully ever, because she released a tape today, another tape. When he said, "What did I tell you folks all along?" She was leading with the juiciest tape she had, which was with J 
General Kelly, which wasn't juicy at all. It's boring. It was General Kelly firing her butt because he should have fired her a long time ago. Nothing about that, uh, nothing about that tape or any of the exchange that went there was anything other than just the most mundane office, you know, you fired. You fired. Uh, and, and she tried to make something of it beyond that. Well, now she's got a tape of, of uh, uh, Lara Trump, who I, I've got to say, I, I don't know her. I did her uh, Facebook show a little while ago. She was a very, very nice, very, very nice lady. I, I don't really know her beyond that. I've heard that she's a very nice lady from friends of mine who know her. And, you know, the, uh, Omarosa has put this all over the place now where she secretly taped. By the way, if I found out that somebody, a friend of mine, or, or somebody that I worked with secretly taped me, and I wasn't engaged in some kind of egregious conduct, like if, if, if they secretly taped me and I was saying, you know, I, I don't know, you know, I was saying, you know, you got to do this for me or else I'm going to fire you. I mean, if there was some justification for it, well, then, you know, you're bagged, right? But just to tape you for the sake of taping you, it's such a breach of trust. It's such a sleazy, slimy thing to do. But we are talking about Omarosa here. And she taped uh, Lara Trump giving her a job. By the way, I'm playing the audio for you, knowing that the audio is boring and not that important, but just because I want to put this whole thing to bed. Uh, please, uh, let, let's hear it. This is Omarosa getting a job offer after she the got only, fired. The only thing that we have to consider when we're talking salary as far as the campaign is concerned is that, as you know, everything is public. Um, and all the money that we raise and that pays salaries is directly from donors, small dollar donors for the most part. Um, so I know you you were making 179 at the White House. And I think we could work something out where we keep you right along those lines. Um, specifically, let me see, I haven't even added up the numbers, but we were talking about like 15K a month. Uh, let me see what that adds up to. 12. Yeah, so that's 180000 Does that sound like uh, a fair deal for you? Sounds like a great deal, by the way. That's at the very, very top of what you would make in a, in a government, like a White House job. Uh, a lot of jobs, I forget how it works, but a lot of jobs in the federal service, you can't make more than a congressman, which tops out at around something like 180. And... You know, that, that, that's getting up there. Beyond that, you really got to start getting into private sector. There's some special employee exceptions. This is how you get, uh, like, football coaches at public universities that are like, you know, Tex Williams making $7.2 million a year because Tex is bringing home those W's, baby. Uh, yeah, you know, I like Friday Night Lights a lot. What could I say? I, I love that show. Buddy Garrity, Lala, I told your mama I was going to take care of you, you know? But daddy, like my college money, like Lala, I was making an investment for the family. I, I just, I lost it all, baby. But give me a hug. I'm sorry. You know, no, dad, I'm sorry. You know, the whole, do you watch Friday Night Like, it sounds like I'm having an episode here, but I really do. That is actually from an episode of Friday Night Lights. You know what I'm talking about? You ever see the show? Oh, did I ever see the show? Dude, I love it. Of course I show. did. Yeah. Buddy Garrity, I thought was like after the, after Kyle Chandler and yeah. Connie Britton, Buddy Garrity was like my favorite character. on the Oh, show. Buddy was the best. But he's amazing. Uh, and you know, he's, uh, he's, he's actually a Texan, unlike yeah. everybody else on that show. Who, you do that, uh, what's his name? Uh, you know, long-haired uh, abs guy, whatever yeah. that guy's name is. Yeah, yeah. that guy. That but guy. all the ladies like, oh, that he's guy. so hip, whatever. Yeah. He's Canadian, all right? So oh, just, that's the oh. 
I know. <laughs> eh? Yeah. You should forget about him, like, running around with a shotgun playing football and stuff. He's should be he, playing he looks I- the part, though. He does look Should have been playing ice hockey. Yeah, I guess. Anyway, um, what the heck was I talking about before? This? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, I was talking about public employees and how their compensation is capped. We got in a little bit of a diversion there. So you can't make that much money as a public sector employee. And they're tr- look, they're trying to pay Omarosa a lot of money, obviously, because, you know, they probably realize that she's a loose cannon and they wanted her to stay on the on her good side as much as possible. Obviously something of a fail there. But who records the their salary conversation and releases that? I mean, Mike, this would be like if I was, you know, sitting around talking to people here in the hill about my next story pitch and they're like, Yeah, that sounds good, Buck, write it. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Gotcha now. Having mundane, completely legitimate office conversations. Like, who would do that? She's a psycho, dude. Something's wrong with her. And I actually do have a question for you about this. Yeah. Um, why is it that every recorded tape is automatically deemed nefarious by the media? Like, just because it's recorded, it's automatically bad. Like they did with Devin Nunes last week, remember? That, dude, that is a fantastic point. This is a nothing burger. The assumption is that if, you, if someone is surreptitiously taped, they must have done something, like, wrong to get taped. Meanwhile, Omarosa is a crazy person who's taping people who are basically like, do you want me to get you a sandwich? I'm going out now for lunch. Like, exactly. you want me to bring you back some Starbucks? Hopefully some Black Rifle, if you know what's good for you. But Black Rifle Coffee is the best coffee. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash buck. Uh, so, yeah. I don't know, man. This Omarosa thing. What, what a, was a fizzle of a story. Her, her whole campaign around this is so desperate and so pathetic I'm not even going to download the free Kindle sample of her book to read and then trash because it's not worth my time. I did do that. Well, actually, I read Fire and Fury, so I, I gave that guy some money, much to my, much to my, uh, my shame. Um, but there was so much in that book that I read, too. I'm like, this just isn't. But let's just remember this, folks. The media was treating Omarosa like she was an elder statesman who had come forward to speak the truth about the Trumps. Because she was useful to them. Now that the whole thing is clearly a sham, a scam, that she's a scam artist, and yeah, she understands how to play Trump a little bit. Look, you know, she did. Uh, she know she knew how to get close to him, and she knew how to how to talk the talk and uh, get into Trump land. But she's out now, and really, I, I don't think she was able to put much of a dent in in MAGA at all. I don't think so. I think she's going to be yesterday's news already. Yesterday's news today, or something. So, that's, I guess, all yesterday. That's what the phrase is about. Uh, so, we're, I don't think we have to talk about Omarosa anymore, which, which makes me happy. We do have to talk about uh, Democrats being crazy and the economy and a lot of other very, very important things, though. And that, specifically what the Democrats' counter-argument in the economy is, that's coming up. He's back with you now, because when it comes to the fight for truth, the buck never stops.
media institutions because media institutions are super unpopular. I would like a pollster to test this question. How many people in the Republican Party think that it would be okay for Donald Trump to dissolve their own grandparents? I'm virtually certain that if it was a Donald Trump-related question, you'd get like 10% that would be like, Donald Trump has the power to do whatever he wants, including kill my parents. You know, like, that's the strength to which I'm, I'm, I'm being hyperbolic. Don't make look so appalled. <laughs> I'm not I'm appalled. Make, I was just working through it. I'm trying to make the like. point. Of, I think yeah. it's just a, I think it's kind of a, it's a, it's a test. There are certain things that, that there is some number of people who, they, to Noah's point, that they just hear the question as the media is trying to test my loyalty to Donald Trump. And if it's a question of whether Trump has the authority to do anything, they will say yes no matter what that thing it's, is. Well, look, Nicole, I think we're moving very quickly towards an hour where we're going to test the premise in this country whether the president of the United States is above the law or not. It's very clear that we're heading towards a constitutional crisis, that this will head towards the Supreme Court. And we know that Rudy Giuliani, when he goes out and speaks, is not acting as the president's attorney, but as the president's mouthpiece, pursuing the only strategy that he can pursue, which is try to incite his base. Now, as he incites that Another base, idiot. that base gets smaller and the majority grows in opposition to Trump. But the smaller base is a harder and more intense one. So if you go back to Inauguration Day, Trump has less support today than he did then. His base is smaller. The Republican Party is smaller. Forty percent <laughs> of the country has surrendered their intellectual sovereignty to Donald Trump. Forty percent of the country has surrendered their sovereignty to Donald Trump. I mean, where do they get these buffoons and put them on TV to trash Trump? I mean, anybody can trash Trump like they're trashing. It's just it's so childish and petty and easy. This is analysis for stupid people. It's, you know, yeah, 10 percent would say it's OK to, to kill their, their parents. You know, that's that's right. That's really clever. That was Heilman. A lot of MSNBC there. John, give me a buck slap. I need to slap some people around. Buck slap. We need we need the buck slap to be a little more fearsome than that. You know, that sounds. First of all, John, I I got a bone to pick here because with the he uh, it gives people a moment maybe to flinch or to evade the slap. So I think we got to come up with a more of just like a whoops, you know, that was. But that's like a little, you know what I mean? That that didn't even leave a mark. I think we can have us more of a slap than that. Honestly, Uh, you know, we got I got to talk to somebody. I know some people. Get more of a slap. I want like, remember when you used to give your friend, John, do you ever do this? You probably, you're, you're a nice guy, so you probably never did this. But a five finger, you know, where you'd go up to somebody's bare back and you just, oh man, you just five finger their back. Ooh. It's it's kind of like uh, the thing where people used to grab your arm when you're, and they would like take, uh, I can't even explain it, but yeah. Yeah, I can't, that's right. You know what I'm talking about? I can't say it anymore. It's a a burn of kinds, uh, but you can't say what kind of burn because you also can't say what kind of giver somebody is when they take something back after they've offered it to you because that's also not allowed anymore. We, you know, if they want to take away those phrases, fine, but we need to replace them with something, you know? You need to be like a, uh, a Jay Leno giver because you let somebody else have the show and then you take it back. You know what I mean? Like, you need to... You need, did, did that... Did, thank you. Did that reference work? I feel like that reference worked. Did you catch that one? But, you know, Heilman and Schmidt, these guys, they just make a living going on and trashing Trump all the time. And and you'll notice how little focus there is on what Democrats would do. And this is the big problem, folks, for the left and for the Democrats. There's so little focus on what they would do 
And Schmidt's supposed to be a Republican, although I think he's one who's like, yeah, I'm now a Democrat. I was a Republican. I'm the one that Woody Harrelson played in the HBO movie. Now I'm a Democrat. Uh, I think that he's now a Democrat. He's openly said he's a Democrat. I think so. I don't know. I don't know the guy. I just see him on TV. I just know his analysis, and it's poor. And then there's uh, then there's Heilman, who's a journalist, so he's just a big lib. But what do they offer for making things better? Well, they want to put the, you know, they, one of the big problems that I've always had with people is say, how could you like Trump? I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Why do you hate Trump so much? Oh, my gosh, he's so vulgar, unethical. I'm like, you're right. Let's restore the Clinton crime family to the White House. That's a great idea. You know, people, I, you know, people who Democrats would be begging to have Jared and Ivanka back if they had to listen to a couple of Chelsea speeches. Yes, I've never done anything of any interest, but everyone's supposed to think that I'm special because my mommy and daddy are famous politicians. Give me $600,000 to do 15 minutes of work on NBC and be terrible at it because I talk like this. That's it. They'd be like, throw in the towel. Bring bring back the Trumps. I can't take any more Chelsea Clinton because, by the way, if Hillary had won, they would be grooming Chelsea for her turn. I do not like this trend toward dynastic, uh, dynastic families in in politics, uh, and, and I do not like dynasties in politics, and I do not like uh, that we are heading in this monarchical direction. I don't even know if monarchical is a word. I like to say it, though. You know, like cockamamie. It's fun to say. Or, uh, you know, what are some of, what are the other good words? I don't know. I can't. They're not coming to me right now with uh, hinky. That's right, from... Uh, the fugitive. So Heilman and Schmidt saying crap about Trump, but they don't ever give you, okay, Democrats will be better because what? They're going to put Bernie, Bernie Sanders hopes you don't do math or can't do math. Elizabeth Warren. Oh, you, you know what? Let, let's let's actually let's hear from Elizabeth Warren. Um, here's what she says should happen in America. Play uh, play clip 12, please. My proposal says let's get a little My accountability proposal. into the system. And let's get these corporations to charter federally, the ones that have more than a billion dollars of sales every year. And let's have a couple of features. First one, let's put some employees on the board. Let the employees elect some people. So you've got multiple representation on the board itself. Second one, let's change the compensation structure for the CEOs to say that the CEOs will not be permitted to juice the price and then once they juice the price, make a quick sale, make a bazillion dollars, and keep emphasizing the incentives. That's what we've got now for short-termism. Want to get rid of it. Yeah, want to get rid of that. Want to be the ones who are making the decisions for the American corporation. The, you know, it's a little thing we like to call socialism. By the way, that's actual socialism. Now, once you start having the government controlling the means of production, controlling corporate America and the power structure within it and the and compensation structures, and now you are getting into, like, actual hardcore socialism. Elizabeth Warren needs a little refresher. She of Harvard Law School uh, needs a little refresher on private property and capitalism, obviously. By the way, the way she speaks, her whole persona, I mean, oh, we should do this, yeah. She reminds me of uh, John of a a, a kind of a, a, a kooky woman who would wear, like, an oversized T-shirt with, like, Timberwolves and owls on it who works in a store that sells essential oils and wind chimes. You know what I mean? Does that 
You're, am I painting the picture for you? Yeah, she's like an old hippie. Exactly. She's got kind of an old hippie vibe, but a, but a self-righteous old hippie, not the fun kind. She's the kind of old hippie where when you walk into her wind chime store, she's like, I'm sorry, are those leather shoes you're wearing? Yeah, leather comes from animals. Correct. But that, that was, she just threw that out there like government should regulate board seats for companies and give it to workers. Folks, that is very Marxist sounding, isn't it? When you think about this, the, 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 a company belongs to the shareholders. It does not belong to the workers. This is really straight out of the Karl Marx playbook. Now, this is getting scary. This is a sitting U.S. senator. And think about what she's saying, too. We're just going just gonna to take it and give it to 40%. 40% of the board seats. Well, excuse me. This is, these are private companies. What do you mean you're, you're just going to give board seats to workers? To give them would mean to take them. To take them would mean to appropriate them, to seize them by force, which when the government does is a scary thing. Starts to sound a bit almost like you're going to nationalize things. I mean, that, that's... That's the direction that she's really heading in here, folks. And and it is it is troubling stuff. It is troubling stuff, I gotta say. Um Democrats don't have any serious people to oppose Trump. That's one of their biggest problems. They've got a lot of people who think they're really eloquent in bashing Trump, but no people on the on the left who are eloquent in making the case for why they would be better at running the country than the president is right now. They certainly can't point to any observable objective metrics. There, there's nothing that they can can bring up that, that would make you think, oh, yeah, you know what, you're right. They'd be better at running the country because of fill in the blank, right? There's nothing that they're able to come up with and say on that issue. That, uh, In fact, I want to talk about that. Let's talk about the positive side of this equation. H- how is the economy doing? And what's the left saying about it? Uh, how how do they counter message? Look, we're going into a midterm election here, folks, pretty soon. How does the left counter message on the economy at a time when the economy is booming? What are they saying about this? I will walk you through the talking points so that we can shred them together. Uh, and we will then also get into a whole lot more coming up in the third hour. Stay with me. We're creating manufacturing jobs at the fastest pace in memory. Nobody has any numbers where it's anywhere close to what we're doing. And if you remember, during the campaign, everybody said that it was impossible to create manufacturing jobs. Uh, The past administration, I won't say who, but I think you know, made the statement that we're not going to have any manufacturing jobs. And we're doing them by the hundreds of thousands Uh, Companies are moving back into the United States. That means jobs. It means production. It means taxes. And really, things are great. By far, by far, the single biggest event, be it political or otherwise, this year is an economic boom that most people thought would be impossible to generate. Not a rise, not a blip, a genuine economic boom. 
And everybody wrote us off, going back to the campaign. MAS was put into place uh, last year and now the follow-through this year. And the numbers are coming in. They just keep coming in. That's right, folks. The numbers keep coming in, and they're telling everybody who will pay attention that the country is doing great. Wow, you mean that pulling back regulations, giving people greater freedom to run their businesses, to do what they do, to let the business of the American people be business, you you mean to tell me that that could have a really positive impact across the country on workers, on, on, on employment, on growth, on investment? Oh, my gosh, who could have known? Oh, that's right, Republicans did, and Trump certainly did. Big headline today on the Wall Street Journal. Stock surge on upbeat earnings. Uh, Dow Jones gets its biggest one-day gain in four months, folks. Big day today. And, you know, we're, we're, we're keep seeing that, oh, my gosh, the tariffs, oh, trade war, all this stuff's going to... And then, nope, you know what, actually, the American businesses are very bullish about the future. The stock market, obviously, is bullish, and American businesses are bullish. And, you know, I, I think that this is a huge problem for the left. If this, I mean, this continues on. I, I don't know what they think they're going to be telling people that they're going to replace this with. right? I mean, what are they going to say? We want to make the country crappier and poorer? And Kudlow, who's a smart guy, look, I know he's with the administration and he's going to take a positive view of these things in general, but Kudlow says that things are just getting started. Play 18. I'm saying this, we are just in the early stages. We're in the early innings here. We never had a cap goods boom. We're now starting. And we've never seen income numbers like this, again, after tax, after inflation. Policies matter. I mean, America's free market economy, ordinary people run our economy, entrepreneurs. That's the beauty of it. But policies matter. And when you change that switch, as President Trump has changed that switch, Things are happening that a handful of us thought might happen, but I would not say it was widespread. So I'll just end, sir, and I appreciate the time very much. Um, The single biggest story this year is an economic boom that is durable and lasting and that most people thought was impossible, and they were wrong. And you were right, sir. Not only, and this is really important, not only did they think that that economic boom was impossible, but there was also a very clear prediction that was echoed by all the major media outlets and all the different people out there that are pointing to the uh, economists that Trump was going to tank the economy, right? So it's not just that things are okay and and they said they would be terrible. They... The so-called smart people, the people who are supposed to be able to predict these things, know what's going on, they said it was all going to be awful. And it's not just been not awful, it's been fantastic. You have more money now in your bank account. You have more money coming in with each paycheck. And your 401k is growing because of policies enacted by this president. That matters to me. I, I have a feeling it matters to you a lot more than whether every tweet that he puts out meets the standards of of presidential decorum that I would just note didn't apply to, you know, Bill Clinton. I mean, he didn't have Twitter, but my gosh, they're really going to lecture us on decorum when that was there. And they said he was a great president. folks. I was a great president. I like to just, you know, just get all close. I didn't have Twitter, so I wanted to, like, 
have a DM, a direct message. I had to call ladies right in my office with no one else around, just turn the lights down. Hey, you're in the oval. You know, that's always, I, I want to always take the bill, the creepy bill thing a little further, but you know, it's a family show. So I got to like, got to censor myself a little bit. Oh, but the, then the, the counter narrative, the counter narrative that you uh, will hear from the Democrats, of course, is pathetic, but it's all they've got, which is, it's the Obama economy. It's the Obama economy. Now, without getting into how you can point to very specific decisions that Trump made that were the reasons for this growth and this optimism and this prosperity for the American people. Let me just say that. Does anybody doubt for a second that if the stock market had tanked, you know, 30 percent, if unemployment was ticking up to, you know, seven, eight percent, if any of that stuff had happened, which was right in line with what the left said, they'd be saying that it wasn't Trump's fault, that it was the Obama economy hangover. No. So we're not going to take them seriously because they're a bunch of hacks when they say, oh, it's the Obama economy because it's so great. The fact that they're calling it the Obama economy is just an admission of the fact that it's doing great and it's the Trump economy. You know what's really uh, important for you folks at home? Security, right? A home security system is essential for protecting your, your family and all of your stuff. And I'm all about Simply Safe. You know, I've got a Simply Safe system at home. I'm not that tech savvy, but I know when tech is good. Because one, it's easy to set up even for somebody like me, and that's definitely true of the Simply Safe system. That's why it protects over two million people. It's totally comprehensive protection for your home, round the clock professional monitoring and police dispatch. It's only fourteen ninety nine a month, by the way, for twenty four seven monitoring, and you get protection against intruders, fires, leaks, and burst pipes. I've known the Simply Safe guys a long time, and their company's fantastic. That's why it's valued at a billion dollars, folks. So go check it out for yourself. Order your Simply Safe system now. Visit simplysafe.com slash buck. That's simplysafe.com slash buck to protect your home. Simplysafe.com slash buck. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake. America. Ready. Great. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. the division and the fact that we're having to count people based on their skin color. I don't like that. And I think that, you know, you look back at our history and we, we have a pretty amazing history of overcoming slavery, of uh, expanding civil rights, of women's rights. And a lot of those things happened under American presidents who didn't have any um, minorities at all on their White Houses. Thank God we do. You know what, sis? And that's great. But you just really missed the mark for you to have to say Right, that we don't necessarily need diversity in this White that House. That's not what I said. Well, but, but let me just let me just, let me just tell you what I heard because I don't think you hardly understand. No, why, I don't want you no to because twist my you know words, what you're Angela. not going to keep doing is talking over me because my black life matters and so does my voice. So what you're going to do right now is listen to what I'm saying to you. This White House not having diversity can be akin to presidents who didn't have no, any black people on their staff, but for slavery. I think I got stuck at Gina saying that American presidents have done a great deal for people of color, like ending slavery. Like, I think I'm stuck in 1865 right now. 
So regardless of your points about slavery, which are nonsense, I hope that you RIP those talking points tonight. They should never be resurrected. I'm telling you that it's a problem in this White House with the staff. And the reason why is because it's slim pickings. You know why? Because nobody wants to go work for a racist. Whew, that's what you get over at CNN these days, folks. That is what I'm, that's what I'm missing out on these days. Some of, some of that. That was Dr. Gina Loudon and Angela Rye. I actually, I, I know Angela a little bit. Uh, worked with her a couple of times over there, did a few segments with her. And she's become more aggressive on air since I knew her. I mean, she used to be a little more, she came from Capitol Hill, you know, she had worked as a staffer there. And now she's gone kind of full-on uh, pundit ambush artist, and, and and it's disappointing, but I, I guess it's not surprising. And to go after Gina Loudon this way, look, Dr. Dr. Loudon or Gina, we'll just call her Gina, is trying to have a civil discussion about the point that's that's now been raised, but how there's a lack of diversity in the White House right now. And what I would say to that is this is actually a much more complicated discussion than just there's a lack of diversity because omarosa they brought in as diversity outreach specifically to do that uh, but you will notice that the way that the democrats have hit this issue so hard even black conservatives i think recognize there is a there would be a particularly difficult public reception for them outside of the white house where they go work for this president I don't I don't have to get very creative to come up with what they would say, what the Democrats and the left would say about African-Americans who go work for President Trump. Now, there are I mean, I, you know, there's there's Dr. Ben Carson, who I think I'm actually going to be interviewing in the next few weeks. Uh, there are um, there's Katrina Pearson, who is involved with a pack. I mean, I forget what the specifics are, but no, there's no question right now. There's not a senior, you know, African-American, it's not a senior black American uh you know, I know we can use the terms interchangeably. A uh, black American who is in the White House at a senior level. And I'm just saying that part of this is because that person, whoever it would be, then, you know, the, the, whoever the person is that that Trump would try to hire now, let's say, to put them in the White House, put that person in the White House would be under incredible pressure not to take the job. So, you know, they play this gotcha game of, well, you don't have any senior black people in the White House right now, but we all know that those same Democrats would be saying, oh, my gosh, this black person is is betraying their race by going to work for Trump. That is what the left would say, because they, the media across the board, they, you got mainstream anchors on the biggest network saying Trump is a racist, that he you know, gives comfort to the KKK, that he's a all right, you know, white nationalist and all this stuff. So they make it virtually impossible for Trump to be able to recruit senior level uh, black staff for the White House. I mean, they make it very difficult, not just for Trump to get anybody, but for anybody who would be offered the job to take it, which is a component. But, you know, that never gets talked about. And then there's another piece here, which is that, you know, Angela Rye is on a network right now, CNN, that's putting all these pundits on air to bash the White House for its lack of diversity. And you can check for yourself. You can go to CNN.com and look at the senior CNN leadership. Every single person there, um, and is not black. There is not a single black senior member of CNN, one of the biggest you know global news networks in existence. Uh, there's not a, sen- a single senior executive who's black. 
Not one. So is CNN racist? Because if if CNN doesn't have a senior black executive just because of the hiring that they've done, they didn't have a candidate at that time, that was the best candidate, you know, I, I could be willing to accept that explanation, right? But wouldn't that also apply to the White House? Isn't it possible that they had a senior black executive, Omarosa? She left, and, you know, they haven't gotten anybody else yet. But you know, it might be circumstantial and not prejudicial or based in prejudice. Isn't that possible? If if the White House is racist then for not having anybody who's black in senior leadership, isn't CNN racist for not having anybody who's black in senior leadership? I'm just wondering. I, I would want to know. Maybe I'm missing something. But that, that, that to me, is a, a question that I think should be asked. But, but then, by the way, back to this cnn ambush theater it it gets even it gets even nastier because uh gina loudon has a uh a a minority uh, an african-american adopted child who has uh, learning disabilities and then she tries to say she she, this is see this is a classic thing that you'll do that, that i've dealt with at cnn too this is what ends up happening you just figure you know what i'm a good person i'm going to assume this other person on air is a good person I'm going to extend some kind of olive branch to them and really try to treat them with respect and dignity in this conversation by saying, look, I get where you're coming. I understand your concerns. I disagree with you. But, you know, ultimately, we are all on the same team. And when you do that at CNN, I can tell you, when you do that with liberals in general now, when you extend your hand to them in a basic human, common courtesy, solidarity move, they slap your hand away. You get that racist hand out of my face. You get that Trump supporting hand out of my face. You know, they... They, they don't want to shake your hand. They don't want to accept your effort to see them just on, on basic human common ground terms. I don't want that. No matter who the anchor is, no matter who the pundit is or whatever, you know, they don't, they don't really want that. They want to keep you in that position where you're the bad guy or bad gal. And this is a perfect example of that with uh, Rye and Loudon, play six. I understand your feelings on this, but here's my point. I have a I have an adopted minority son. Yes, I do. Um, who happens to have Down syndrome, and he experiences bigotry every single day in a myriad of ways, not just because of his skin color, but also because of his disability. And I understand that you and I don't agree, but I would not support a president that I believed was going to be a threat to his future. So what I'd like well, to have are. is a constructive conversation. And I think you know, I think points like yours that are that are focusing only on the negative and not even acknowledging 700,000 new jobs for black people in this country, record low unemployment and the rest of it. it it's tantamount to what Andrew Cuomo said today that upset me too, that America has never been great. And America let's has focus on never what we've been done great. Well. And it's not let's great because people what, like you come on and lie for the on, president of the United States and then and then, and then tout, bring out your son as an example. Could, like you ought to be completely ashamed what, of yourself. What, uh, wow. You see what just happened there? First of all, she doubles down on Cuomo. America has never been great. You know, this is a this is a refrain that uh, you hear in in a lot of uh, Democrat minority communities these days, right? Uh, you'll hear people that'll say this, and and it's it's troubling. You know, it's troubling. I mean, the what is the name, John, of that? Um, uh, well. I can't remember what, what it is. The This is America music video. I, I guess it's This is America. I can't remember the name of the uh, the artist, though. Uh, Childish, Gamb- Childish Gambino, that's right. You know, that, that there really is still this sense among the, the Democrat left, and I mean minority communities across the board, Hispanic, African-American, somewhat Asian uh, communities, too, 
believe that America is really this oppressive, terrible system and it has to be uh, dramatically reformed. And I just think that that's unfortunately, I wouldn't say it's delusional, but it is completely devoid of any sensible context. Uh, it, it, it fails to take into account where America is vis-a-vis the rest of the world and what America has done for the rest of the world. And it's troubling to hear this uh, out there. Um, but also just you'll notice that that was a real, I, I could tell that, that, that Gina Loudon there was trying to say, look, I, I have a, a child. I don't know if the child's African-American, actually. And I said learning disabled. I meant to say Down syndrome. I just forgot when we were doing our clip run through. Um, but, you know, I have a child with Down syndrome who is a minority. And, and I would not support this president if I really be. And, and Angela Rye just slaps the hand right away, just as I said. Just slaps it away. You should be ashamed of yourself. People like you are the reason this country has never been great. Wow. Yeah, that's right, Angela. People who adopt minority children whose parents, I'm assuming, abandoned them uh, and with Down syndrome, no less. They're not the reason the country has never been great. They're actually the reason people like Gina Loudon, who do things like that, who show love and kindness to their fellow human beings, irrespective of of race or creed or 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 ability or, or disability. They're actually why the country has been great for as long as it has. And why it continues to be the single most profound, most important source of progress and liberty and freedom and decency and prosperity on the planet in existence. This country that you and I live in. And that's why, you know, Cuomo had a missed up, but Cuomo's in he's just a he's really kind of a sad person because he's just an angry imbecile who has ridden the coattails of his uh, family name into into office in New York, but has no real vision for making other people's lives better. It's just all about Cuomo. It's all just self-indulgence and, and, and pursuing what he views as his family legacy. Uh, but then to have it doubled down on by Angela Rye, and, and there are others, too, who will say, yeah, sure, America's never been great. This is a message that they should, uh, they should just keep hitting this message, a message going into... The midterms, you know, they should just keep telling the American people as much as possible that they do not view uh, America as great. And the Republicans and Trump can say, you know, what? we actually think this place is great, has been great, and it's just going to get even greater going forward. It really separates left from right these days. That single point of difference. Should plastic straws be banned? Hell yeah, they should. Should we ban plastic straws? Absolutely. Do you think we should ban plastic straws? We do. Why do you think that? Because uh, they're bad for the environment and they cause a lot of pollution. They kill the baby sea turtles. What else should we ban to help save the environment? Oh my goodness. Come up with a better idea for like plastic lids on to-go cups and... Paper lids. Paper lids would be great. What do you guys do to help eliminate your carbon footprint? Recycle. Wow. Heartwarming. What else could we do to help fix the environment? I think, you know, what I've been like seeing in different places, like people have just been like planting fruit trees in public streets, and that's like 
dope. In the ocean, if you cut open a fish, I saw like an article about this, and like all that's inside them are plastic straws. Should businesses be able to choose whether or not to use plastic, or should the government just tell them they can't use it? I think the government should tell them we should stop using plastic. Think about it. Like people could eat fruit for free. Like state, like planted by the state, trees planted by the state. They could eat fruit. Homeless people could eat fruit, and it's giving oxygen into the air. So the government pays for the fruit trees. Sure, why not? And what do you think's worse, plastic straws here, or people coming into this country illegally? Oh my God, plastic straws! Think <laughs> that that isn't all. Yes. Okay. What do you think is the best alternative to plastic straws? Um. Well, I the place that I work, we started using paper straws, and a lot of people have an issue with paper straws because they're soggy. Easy, soggy. What do you think is a bigger priority to? To stop plastic straws or illegal immigration, a bigger priority. I would say straws. Like, I think straws. Like, I just like straws are like so much scarier than like illegal immigration because like the straw like strangles the baby turtle, but like illegal immigrants just like do the jobs that like I won't do because like I don't want to break a nail. Oh boy, that was from Prager U. Asking a bunch of people about the straw ban. I, this is one. Of, I, I know that this is one of the bee in the bonnet subjects for me, right? I, I admit this that this whole stuff about and anything about environmentalist wacko stuff gets me, just drives me up the wall. I hate that I have to separate out all of my different, oh, there's this recyclable, and now there's compost, and there's non compostable waste, and there's compostable waste, and there's recyclable glass, and there's non. I mean, I, this is all crazy stuff okay it doesn't make any difference it is the tyranny of an environmentalist mindset that has replaced gaia with or god with gaia like mother earth is now the deity and we are all supposed to worship at at her altar of course gaia you know female mother earth not not god is just an eternal being of goodness love and light and all that stuff so they were more upset about the straws i, I guess that's not surprising at all the straw ban in uh oh my gosh there's more it's spreading folks the straw ban is spreading you know starbucks is banning straws as you know but also now there are restaurants in charlotte restaurants in atlanta i didn't even know i'm just seeing this now they're all getting rid of straws it is so dumb it is so dumb I swear this is not this is not the problem folks we we are responsible America is responsible for a very small percentage of the plastic waste that gets into the ocean you know who's responsible for a lot more of it huge developing countries China India do you think they give a you know what about the turtles I don't know that was like my it sounded like a goat I was trying to do a turtle noise now I just sound weird um it would have been better if you could have seen my face. I do a good impression of a baby turtle. But you have to see me, and you guys can't see me right now. That's why we're going to set up a live stream soon. That's going to happen, by the way. Oh, that's right. It's happening. I got big plans, folks. I got big plans for the Freedom Hub. We got all kinds of things that are going to be happening. Uh, but the straw ban is completely uh, insane. It makes no, it makes no uh, sense. And they still have uh, a Cal they have California still has jail time for defying the, the straw ban. I mean, you know, you say you say they would never actually put somebody in jail for this, but then you also have to deal with, well, then why is it on the books? Why say 
you could theoretically go to jail for something this stupid. And I, I think that that's, there, there's no good answer for that. Right. $1,000 and a term not exceeding six months in prison. I think, though, it's for each offense. And the offenses are, uh, the offenses are based per straw. And this whole thing is just sheer idiocy. I, I just hate, and I had to separate some recyclables today. I hate recycling. It's not, they've done studies. It's not good for the environment the way they say it is. It's a giant pain in the butt. I don't want to do it anymore. And the environmentalists left, they just get to be the ones. Look, I, I believe in clean air and a clean environment. And I, I don't want, you know, I'm, I'm the one who tells you that the way you can tell how advanced a country is is by what it does w- with its garbage. Meaning, is it clean? Are the streets clean? Do they take care of waste? Do they remove waste from the streets? But to take it to this whole other level of act like we should be almost all our own specialty garbage men who are separating this stuff out all the time, it's it's just craziness. Uh, we're going to do a double dose of roll call because I'm not going to get to hang out with you tomorrow because the godfather Michael Pelka is in. That is coming up. Man, I got to say, every time I go up in New York, I get a little uh, a little sad when I have to leave. I love that place. You know, home is home. And I know it's wherever you are across the country. I'm sure a lot of you are like, Buck, you know, I'm I'm just, there's no place on earth that I love as much as uh, French Lick, Indiana. You know, I mean, I know there's some of you listening that that's how you feel. And you know, home is home. Uh, D.C. is, I'm in political exile here in D.C., but it's all right to be back. I see all my colleagues here at the Hill. That's always fun. All right, let's get into this. Uh, Facebook.com slash Buck And by the way, guys, listen to the I got a long form interview with my buddy Dan Bongino. We have a great talk. I put him through a lightning round. We we really get into it. And, uh, you know, I think you'll enjoy that in the Freedom Hut podcast. So even if you're listening live, if you're not somebody who does the podcast thing, it's a great chance to try it out. And it's not really news cycle based. Right. So even if you don't get to it till this weekend or next week and all the previous episodes of the freedom hut are worth listening to as well because it's just interviews with people that you want to hear stuff from it's not uh it's not overtaken by events if you miss it the first day so you can go back and listen to all of them and we have a lot of fun i mean i don't know people the the jesse kelly and sean parnell one was great although their audio there were some audio issues there which you know of course the army ranger messing up the comms i could count on the marine that's all i could tell you the marine came through but the army ranger we were in a hot lz and he was not getting it done uh we had a great chat with uh, Raheem Kassam and, and Benny Johnson uh, also. So we've, we've had a lot of fun here on those shows, and I think you'll enjoy hearing Dan Bongino. Uh, all right, let's get to the next one, uh, the, the first in roll call, facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Matthew writes, missed you this morning on Rising. Almost fell out of my chair when Gorka accused Crystal of fake news. He did a good job. Can't believe she tried that false talking point. She can be hard to listen to at times. Hope everything is okay. Shields high. I heard that Dr. Gorka told Crystal that her her talking point was fake news. Uh, Gorka's great, man. I'm going to tell you guys something about Gorka, too. He's an academic, but uh, I got to tell you, Gorka's an academic, but... You wouldn't want to catch that guy on the wrong side of a bar, you know what I mean? Or the wrong side of a bar fight. He's a big dude. 
I, I you know, and, and he's, I can always tell too. He's a big dude. He can, he can handle himself. You, I'm just saying, you know, some of these guys you see and you're like, oh yeah, whatever. No, Gorka, I'm telling you, Gorka, I'm just saying, Gorka can throw a punch, John. I'm telling you, he's not a guy that uh, uh, you you would easily you would easily want to mess with. Yeah, we actually we talked to uh, Bongino a little bit on the podcast about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which he's really into. But uh, but Gorka is ready. He's ready to throw down, man. He's a warrior. I, I like that guy. I like Gorka. Anyway, let's get into. I like Crystal too. She's my friend. They had a little dispute and they settled it like adults. Uh, all right, Steve. Uh, hey, Buck, love the show. I'd like to take the kids over to the swamp to see some of the museums. But don't know if there's any crazy pl- uh, protest plan for the upcoming weekend. I'd really rather not stumble into a situation with an angry liberal mob with my daughters in tow. Do you know where I can look to find out if anything is planned? Since you're a swamp creature now, I figured you're the best resource, Steve. Steve, um, yeah, I- I'm pretty plugged in here. In fact, I have I have government, local D.C. government contacts that I can always ask about what's going on with protests or anything else, and they can give me a, a really good heads up on it. Uh, I do. I'm not aware of any protests right now, and if that changes, I will certainly, uh, I'll certainly write you back here on on roll call and, and get to you as soon as I can. By the way, today on the uh, in the quiet car, somebody was took a phone call. This is on the Amtrak. You know they have the quiet car, which is an outpost of civilization in a world gone mad. And someone pulled out, not just started talking on the phone, but the phone was ringing like with the old school phone ring which nobody should have that old school phone ring. It's very jarring. It's very loud. So he had the old school phone ring to his cell phone. And then he says, you know, he's like, hey, yeah, what's going on, buddy? You know, starts talking really loudly. And I, I, I leaned over so I could make eye contact. And I gave him the whole, uh, you know, point, point at the shh and point at the sign. To his credit, the guy backed off and he left, the, he left to make his phone call in the next car, which is what you should do. And somebody looked at me and nodded in approval in the car, of course. And I'm just saying, you know, not all heroes wear capes, folks. Not all heroes wear capes. Uh, Roger writes, Buck, Omarosa took a personal device into a skiff. NDAs and arbitration should be the last of her worries. Roger, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm correct on this one. It is not illegal to take an uh, a personal device into it. It is, a, it is against regulation, but that's different. If you record classified on an unclassified device, that would be illegal. Uh, it is a security violation to bring a cell phone into a, a secure space. To my understanding, it is not for civilians. I can't speak to the military side. You guys have, you know, under UCMJ, for example, you can't even, like, you can't cheat on your wife. I mean, there are things that civilians don't have to abide by as, as a code, although now you're going to probably say, Buck, it's actually legal to cheat on your wife, too. I, I know, but not enforced in civilian life. In UCMJ, my understanding is it is enforced. Very serious. Uh, so, yes, Roger, thank you for writing in. Uh, we have Philip, who writes, Shields High, Buck, I heard you mention yesterday that you like guest recommendations. I think you ought to consider a very good friend of mine and retired fellow retired Army officer, Tony Dean, Colonel you in the U.S. Army who has first-hand insights into the Sunni awakening in Anbar. He wrote about it in his book, Ramadi Declassified. Tony spearheaded the Sunni awakening in 2006 as the lead task force commander in that effort. Um, keep up the great analysis. You, you've been having excellent guests on the show. We've had a great lineup recently and encourage you to continue to mix uh, to your own analysis. Uh, 
continue it as I mix your own analysis. Shields high, Phil. Thank you, Phil. Yeah, look, I, I try to, uh, my, my mandate every day on this show is to make this as worth your time as possible. That's my every single day, every goal of every segment. Bring you information and entertainment and insight and, and uh, you know, a sense of the, the tribal belonging that we all have as patriots who come together here on this show. Uh, that's my goal every day. So if I'm getting good guests on and that's helping, fantastic. Adam writes, good morning, Buck. I have a question for you today. With Washington, D.C.'s restrictive gun laws, could you carry a black powder revolver for personal protection? The Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms doesn't consider it a firearm, so just wondering. Adam, you have uh, stumped me on this one. I don't know. I would say this, though. D.C. is so crazy when it comes to firearms that they have actually arrested people in the past. Uh, And I, I remember the case. I spent a lot of time covering it when I was at the Blaze. They have arrested people in the past for having shotgun shells including a shotgun shell that was deformed and unusable so it wasn't even really live ammunition ammunition it was essentially a a a miss i can't remember if it was a misfired shell or but it was inert for all intents and purposes i heard somebody go on tv recently and say for all intensive purposes and i'm like you know that's just when you that that it gets a lot of people Intensive purposes and besides the point are two that people just, we all get caught up sometimes, but those are two you got to avoid. Total departure, Adam, from what you're saying. I I don't know. It's a good question. But if I was going to defend myself with a black powder revolver, I do feel like I would um, need to wear a tri-corner hat and breeches and maybe carry a saber with me as well. And then I would really complete the whole situation. So, uh, but thank you, Adam. Thank you very much for writing in. Aaron, hey, Buck, just wanted to check in on my previous message. Um, Pastor Michael Anthony is currently speaking on the breaking news of Jack Phillips of Masterpiece Cake Shop, suing the state of Colorado for the treatment he received from denying to bake a cake for a transgender birthday. Would you be interested in having him on your program? Uh, Aaron, I have passed this along to the team and, uh, I'm sure we're in contact. I will follow up with them and we will see. I will tell you, Aaron, that just, I, I rarely have guests on the show that I don't know or don't know their work. Uh, and that's kind of a quality control mechanism. It's not because I don't trust the suggestions from the audience. So when I ask for guest suggestions, I'm usually, it's usually people that we've heard on the show in the past that you want for a deep dive or that you want back on the show. Because bringing in people from the outside world that I don't know, and, and when I'm saying, I don't have to know them personally, but if I don't know their work, if I've never heard of them before, I, in my earlier radio career, had that happen a few times, and the uh, results were the results were poor in terms of uh, the segments that we got out of it. So I try to avoid any surprises like that. Uh, you know what? We're going to do another roll call, because I'm going to be out tomorrow. The Godfather, Mike Opelka, is going to be in for me. That's right, Opelka is going to be taking the wheel here, which also means that the Freedom Hut podcast for this week is a little extra special important because it's almost like it's in place of me appearing on Friday, I guess. But uh, Michael Pelka will be doing a great job tomorrow, and uh, please do join him as you can and uh, make sure you give the Godfather all the support that he needs. We are going to come back into more roll call here in just a moment. The show ain't over yet, folks. 
time for roll call. All right, let's get to it. I'm not going to waste any time here. Uh, Erica writes, uh, I saw this on a friend's Facebook page. Had to pass it on to you. Jack Burton Trucking Company t-shirt. I love it. And I should get one for myself. Uh, Thomas writes, Buck, I was glad to see Sebastian Gorka on Rising this morning to set the record straight on the privileges and responsibilities of having security clearance. The arguments by the progressives that John Brennan and other partisans from the Obama administration have a right to keep their clearances is a lie. I'm glad he emphasized that uh, your point. Your stand-in did a good job today. I'm guessing you're busy making the move from New York to D.C. I'm starting to enjoy the discussions on rising, but Crystal has to lose that perky giggle. It's too frequent and gives the impression she's mocking the comments being given by guests and could be replaced with a canned laugh soundtrack. Keep up the good work, Thomas. Ah, Thomas. Thank you. I've read that one to you in Gorka voice. Um... Like I said, I love Gorka. And you guys know, even if I didn't, I wouldn't say anything bad about him because the guy's like 6'4", 240. He's a big dude. Uh, next up here, we have Ronnie. Trying to remember yesterday's show. There are Michelle Obama and Donald J. Trump ordeal. Ronnie, I don't know what you're saying, but thanks for writing. Steven, Shields High Buck, if you're heading to Austin, you have to try Franklin's BBQ. Best barbecue I've ever had in my life, and I have had a lot of barbecue. Well, Stephen, that makes two of us. And uh, I love barbecue. I'll tell you, there's a little place. There's a little place on Route 22, which when you're heading north out of New York City, when you get on 684 after the Hutchinson Parkway, you find yourself on Route 22. There is a little roadside restaurant known as Big W's BBQ in Poughkeepsie, New York. And you don't think of Poughkeepsie, New York as, wait, no, not, is, is it Poughkeepsie? I might be off. I think, you know, I think it is Poughkeepsie. Well, you know what? I'll find out because I don't want to give you the wrong place for those of you who are listening. Because I know that we actually are on in Poughkeepsie. We have a radio station there. Big W, BBQ, New York. Where is it exactly? It is in, hold on, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. Wingdale, Wingdale, not Poughkeepsie, Wingdale, New York which is about an hour and 30 minutes north of New York City. And the brisket there is world-class. It is absolutely delicious. It is as good as any brisket I had in all of my barbecue forays in Texas. And it's not a, not a flashy place. You know, you, if you looked at it from the outside, you're like, do they serve burgers? Do they have grilled cheeses? You know, no, it's a barbecue place. Big W's Barbecue in Wingdale. Best brisket you can get, you know, anywhere within an hour, hour and a half drive of there for sure. I mean, you'd have to go into New York City to get brisket that's as good. And some of you are like, well, brisket in New York City isn't that good. Folks, 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 it's New York. The food's amazing. All right. I mean, you, you can hate New York as much as you want. And I know I'm a little, a little touchy about New York right now because I miss it. You can hate New York as much as you want. The food is amazing. And, and you say, well, we don't, no, no, no. We have that kind of food, too. And it's amazing. I'm not saying it's as good as your Texas or your Carolina barbecue. I'm just saying it's very good. Um, and, and the only thing that I... Well, no, I'm, I'm not going to get into a whole food discussion. And I'm supposed to be getting into roll call. Uh, Josh writes, Stop referring to the Trump dossier is, uh, as opposition research. That implies they conducted research and implies there is some truth to it. Unverified or demonstrably false verbiage is not oppo research. It is propaganda. 
Josh, I kind of know what you're going for with this, but I would just say that, uh, um, you know, I would say that it is oppo research, even if we don't like it and it's all false, because oppo research is often all false. So you got to keep that in mind. Uh, Monica. Hey, Monica. Hey, Buck. I used to work in a skiff. Leaving work, I picked up my phone, put it in my pocket, turned to security guy and said, I left my keys on my desk. He said, just go. I'm not going to search you. Upon getting back from my desk, I realized I had my phone in my pocket inside the skiff for 30 seconds on camera the whole time. I told security. We both self-reported security and got yelled at for 10 minutes, and it went into my file. I guess times have changed. Yeah, Monica. Uh, that's what hap- That was what would have happened to me, too. I saw that happen to colleagues. You ever walked into a skiff with a phone, you had to self-reported security, and they came after you and, you know, dropped a hammer on you and the whole thing. And... Clearly not the case for Hillary Clinton. Clearly not the case for some other folks. Um, I don't know what to, not the case for Omarosa. Well, she'll never work in government again, I think, unless, you know, I don't know. Who knows? I shouldn't say that because you don't know. Brian, great show as always, Buck. How long do you think John Brennan goes before he opens a GoFundMe page? Brian, because he's not in legal jeopardy right now, probably won't have a GoFundMe, but I promise you if they do bring charges against him, he'll expect the... Hashtag resistance to fund uh, his defense. Devin writes, hey, Buck, do you think you can do a deep dive on when the DNC changed from being known as the party of slavery, the KKK, anti-suffrage, Jim Crow laws to today? Because I always hear about how there was a switch when suddenly all the worst kinds of people decided to jump the Republican Party. And almost like magic, the worst stuff in U.S. history is placed on our doorstep like they had nothing to do with it. Um you know, that's a very interesting question, Devin. I mean, a deep dive on that really, uh, that really requires, I think, a book more than a deep dive radio segment. Uh, and it is something that Dinesh D'Souza tackles quite a bit in his uh, his new movie and, you know, Death of a Nation and uh, his writings in general. So you might want to start with Dinesh, but uh, I will think about it for a deep dive to be sure. That's going to be it for me for today in the hut. The Godfather Michael Pelka is in tomorrow. I'll be back with you all from the swamp on Monday. Shields high.